Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast, episode number 61. I am so excited for you to hear today's episode. This is probably one of my most insightful and awesome chats that I've had in a while. And I love everyone I've had on the podcast, but it's like it keeps getting better. And my guest today was absolutely no exception. Today, I'm joined with Holly Perkins. Holly is a celebrity fitness trainer, and she has a BS in exercise physiology from Penn State. She's also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. She's the author of the women's health book, Lift to Get Lean, and she's a regular contributor to Shape Prevention, Women's Health, Self, BuzzFeed, and also Live Strong, which is pretty cool. So she's got a pretty wide array of high-profile clientele that she's trained, and her clients include Carly Kloss, Howard Stern, Adrian Greiner, uh, NHL and NFL athletes, and even a presidential candidate. So really cool. She's got over 30 years of experience in this industry, and we had such an incredible conversation today about women's health, in particular women's health and fitness, and her perspective is just so insightful, and I learned so much from talking with her. We dive into how to kind of optimize your nutrition, not beating yourself up if you feel like a system isn't working for you, finding strategies that work for you, working with your menstrual cycle, working with menopause as you get older. So all my ladies out there, you are going to learn so much from today's episode and I'm so excited for you to hear it. So again, there's a lot to unpack in today's episode and I'm so excited to share it with you. So if you are interested in hearing more, then you know what to do, my friends. Go ahead and stay tuned. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast. Today, I am honored to be joined with Holly Perkins. Holly, I'm so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited to be here. I think you and I are so aligned on so many different philosophies, and I knew that we would have a really fun conversation. So thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Well, I am so excited. I have so much that I want to ask you about, and I feel like a great place to start would just be your background in particular. I love kind of hearing what leads people down the the path of fitness. Like, were you somebody that was always into fitness or was that something that came later on in life for you? Oh boy, it could be a very long conversation. So I'll try to keep it short. Um, So I, um, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was younger. And thankfully my mother really encouraged me to get an education. I think I probably would have floundered in life. And she very much pushed me to go to college. And at the time, I, I, I just was someone I didn't really have a lot of interests. But the one thing that I loved was exercise. I loved everything about exercise. But back in those days, which, you know, back then it was, I mean, I, you know, this was like 90s, early 2000, there weren't a lot of people who went to college for exercise. So thankfully, mm-hmm. I was able to find an incredible university. I went to the Pennsylvania State University, and I got a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition. And that's when everything changed. Um, I really feel like my career up until now has very much been um a process of following my bliss. I've just always loved everything about fitness, the human body, nutrition, everything that has to do with our physical body. I'm just obsessed and possessed and passionate about it. So after college, I landed some really incredible gigs as a personal trainer, the bulk of my career. Um, tw- well, I mean, the majority of the past 30 years, I've been a one-on-one personal trainer. 
And then about eight years ago, I decided to also open up more of my work online. So I now also have an online platform where I coach women around the world. Um, I got to write a book with Women's Health Magazine a few years ago, and I get to um, be the expert on, on record for a lot of magazines. And it's just kind of like a whole lifetime of really loving what we do. I love this industry. Yeah. I love what you said about following your bliss. That so resonates with me because I'm someone who like when I was growing up, I wasn't really athletic and it wasn't until I had a corporate job and I sort of followed the trajectory of what I thought I wanted to do with my life that I was like, this doesn't resonate. And all I would think about was the gym and, you know, the gym was my stress outlet. And once I kind of had the courage to quit that and leave it all behind, it was like, oh my God, you know, um, a world of opportunity open. So I love kind of hearing, you know, your perspective on that. It's so refreshing. And I love people that follow their bliss, as you said, and kind of just go after what they're passionate about. And I think it's interesting too, even, you know, I'm thinking now how much the fitness industry has evolved since, you know, the nineties, even in the past 10 years, it's insane how much growth there's been. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and we all know it's because of social media and Facebook and all of that. I mean, really our world has just so become online and, you know, on the one hand, it's wonderful because it opens up opportunity for a lot of people that might not have had opportunities in the past you know, the challenge of it is there's a lot of us out there. And I think as the educated consumer, I know I want all of all of the women in my community to make sure that they really vet out their experts that they're following um, because anybody can open up shop these days, right? But mm-hmm. it's crazy. I mean, it's really, I think, I think what I would say is when I was in college, the things that we talked about were very different than what was talked about in just like the fitness culture, right? Fitness culture was like, feel the burn and go do, you know, your workouts, whatever it may be. And the thing that I love about where we are in the fitness industry now is so much sophisticated information is brought to everyone. And I've noticed just in the 30 years that I've been working with people that my clients have gotten more educated. They talk about more sophisticated things that we didn't back when I was in college. And so people have gotten smarter. That's really interesting too, even from a client perspective, you know, thinking about the why behind what you're doing, because for a lot of us, I've definitely been in the trap before. And even I used to follow some of those, you know, beach body workouts back in high school. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't understand why I was doing the exercises I was doing, but I think now it's almost like a different perspective approach to working with people where it's like, okay, why is it that I want to, you know, sit back when I'm doing a squat? Why is it that I want to keep my core engaged? And why is that helping me? And I think that's so important. And I was kind of sifting through some of the things that you share on your platform. And I noticed that you had three um, pillars of like things that you use for strength training that you talk about. And um, I was kind of curious to hear you sort of elaborate on those three things and how that's kind of affected your clients and, and working with them. Yeah, yeah. I So what I see often when people come to me or even just in popular fitness culture, there's a lot of do this, not that, eat this, not that. There's a lot of, oh, this workout is the great workout. I heard this diet is the good diet. And so what I noticed is a lot of people would come to me with ideas of this one thing. Like, let's say, for example, keto is the way to go or vegan is the way to go, or high intensity workouts are the way to go. And what we know, you know, those of us that are educated and trained in the field is that the human body is so much more than any one thing. So the three pillars, which I call the trifecta of body transformation is really getting strategic on 
what approach to nutrition is right for your goals and your body and you as a person, what cardio programming is right for your goals and for you as a person, and what strength training is right for your goals. So ultimately, what I have found is that those three things have to work together in order to really change you. Some people are exercising just to feel good, to relieve stress, to be healthier, and that's awesome. I think there's also a lot of people who really want to improve their body. They wanna get stronger or perform better or be healthier. Some people wanna reshape their body and look differently. So when we're talking about transformation, it's not just this workout paired with this popular diet. It's, okay, why are you following keto? And is it really the right nutritional strategy if you're an ultra marathon runner. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's what I would see a lot of my clients would come to me and they would be like, I see this so much with women. They come to me and they're like, you know, I can't stop eating the this or the that food. I'm obsessed with this or that food. I'm doing nonstop high intensity cardio and I'm following a keto lifestyle. And I'm like, well, that's the problem right yeah. there. It's like, it doesn't all work together. And mm-hmm. when you get the strength training, nutrition and cardio strategically programmed for your goals. And just like you said, your why, what's the why that you're doing this? That's when things really start to change. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. And even going off of what you said, I, something I like to say, even to the clients that I work with is every body is different. So there's no one size fits all with, with anything in the fitness industry or nutrition wise. Like you could have some person that's thriving on a vegan diet and that's totally fine for them. But then the next person could be feeling amazing on keto. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with you, right? If, if, if a certain diet doesn't resonate, you shouldn't beat yourself up and say, Oh, you know, uh, this influencer is following keto and they have shredded abs. Like what's wrong with me that I'm not, um, you know, somehow measuring up to that. Have you experienced that with any of your clients? Goodness, Yes. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you for that. That just is like such a profound statement and something I'm seeing. So, so frequently is that a lot of times we look to the experts in our field and say, well, she is doing this. So if she does that and I do that, I'll get those results. And it's just so not true. It's really not true. A lot of times the experts that we look to have more information or have more years of experience, or they know their body better, or they know this works and that doesn't. And so it is really dangerous that just because one person passionately believes in a certain way of dieting, it doesn't mean it's right for you. A lot of it, what I I really try to educate my community on is getting crystal clear on what's your goal? Why is that your goal? And let's find a system that actually moves you to that goal. Because if you're taking, if you're following any kind of strategy in any realm, and it's not moving you closer to your goal every week, the strategy is not working for you because when you get the strategy right, you'll see improvements in your body. You know, there's a variety of different kinds of improvements, but you'll see progress every single week if you're on the right program. Yeah. And extending off that, it's not one size fits all, right? It's like something different is going to work for, for everyone. And something else that I really believe in, and it sounds like it kind of aligns with your strategy is just like having daily intentions. I think that's something that gets lost in translation so much is when we set these big picture goals, it's like, okay, 
we have this goal on a pedestal. We know in six months that we want to be in this position, but it's like, well, how exactly am I getting there? And something that I see a lot of times is if people don't see a number drop on the scale, then they're instantly discouraged. But there's so many other ways that we can measure progress. What you were kind of alluding to is like, how are you feeling, you know, holistically as, as a being, how are you feeling mood wise? How are your energy levels? Like there's so many other ways that we can gauge progress where if you're following a right strategy, it may not seem like it, you know, you may not see your pant size drop in a week or whatever, but you see those small little things that are adding up to that change. Yeah. And those small little increments add up to big change. So I so agree with you, right? And, and what I often tell my community is for some people, the scale might be a very important measure. There are some people that need to lose a hundred pounds or 50 pounds to really be healthy. So I don't want to yeah. negate the, the, the relevance of body weight, right? But it is one of the bottom ways to measure your progress because it's not always accurate especially if you're strength training. And mm -hmm. I really believe, and I know you do too, that strength training really is such a, a core foundational part of changing your body. So if you're strength training, the scale is really not accurate anyway. So we can keep an eye on it, but I really educate my community and my clients to look at what are those other 20 units of measure yeah. that we can celebrate every single day. Because if you wake up feeling better, that is a sign of progress. And the more you celebrate the small steps forward, you will get to that six month goal, as you yeah. said, but you know, you don't get from LA to New York in one step. It's a couple of twists and turns and left-hand turns and right-hand turns and stops at the gas station and yeah. stops to sleep overnight. And then you eventually get to New York. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's the same with your body. It's those incremental changes have to happen so that you can and ultimately get to your long-term goal. Yeah. And it's, it's having patience with yourself, I think is so important. It's like you could do a crash diet and, and see the number drop on the scale. But if you're really taking a step back to the bigger picture of what you're doing, you know, for your health, um, it's, it's only setting you back. And I'm someone that fell victim to that when I was in high school and I was just looking for a quick fix. I was doing insanity, which is basically a high intense cardio. And I was doing some kind of crazy crash diet that I found online that was super restrictive. And then I would wonder why on the weekends I was so hungry and like tired and just felt horrible. And it's like, well, the number on the scale dropped down. So then I should be making progress, but it's like, now, now that I know what I know in hindsight, I'm like, that's not the way to do it. It's it's as a whole. And even going off of something else that you had mentioned that I think is really important, especially with women in fitness is just strength training in general, I feel like is really overlooked. And I think it's, it's getting more like normal now for women to lift weights, but you know, for so long I was in the headspace of like, women shouldn't be strength training. Like we're just supposed to do cardio, you know, and, um, things didn't really change for me until I finally leaned into, okay, weightlifting is the thing that's been making the difference. It's not me doing an hour on the elliptical, you know, that led me to a plateau. It's like, okay, now I see, um, the difference. So I think it's amazing that you're, you know, speaking out so much about strength training, especially for women as they get older too, I think is incredible. Yeah. When you, as when a woman starts to push towards 40, definitely in the forties, fifties, and sixties, it's critical to have your strength training down. And so what I often encourage women is the younger you start, the better. If you can really cultivate an understanding and a practice of strength training in your twenties and thirties, your forties and beyond are going to be so much easier. I didn't really 
get my strength training right until 40. But once I got it right, everything since has been such a piece of cake because it really is, I think it's the secret weapon for women because when you do it right, you can eat more. Your diet matters less. You can do less cardio if you want. It's such a stronger and more powerful tool when you get it right. And it ultimately becomes absolutely critical beyond 40. And we know that from a ton of research and a lot of um, medical studies that have come out, strength training is absolutely directly correlated to the reduction in a lot of these chronic diseases that we're seeing, whether it's obesity or type two diabetes, dyslipidemia, hypertension, stroke, Mm. um, adult, you know, onset, late onset weight gain, injuries, bone density. I mean, it goes on and on and on. We now know strength training is potentially the panacea to really avoid a lot of those chronic diseases. And the thing is, if you don't get to it until you're in your forties or fifties, it starts to get harder. So adopt it now in your twenties and thirties, because then you'll build up that lean muscle mass that you need. Everything is so much easier with muscle. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of that notion of prevention is the best medicine. It's like, why, why would you wait until something goes wrong to try and fix it when you could be spending this time, um, you know, putting the systems in place to set yourself up for success for the future. And, you know, it's funny, I I was talking to my mom about, you know, strength training and, and all this kind of stuff. And she finds herself very frustrated. So she's in her fifties and um, she kind of, you know, finds herself in a plateau of, you know, thinking that like menopause is, is going against her and that hormones are standing in the way of weight loss. So do you have any insight into, you know, as you age, how hormones can kind of affect uh, where women are able to go with their fitness goals? Oh my gosh, absolutely so much. I've worked with a lot of women. Um, I've gone through it myself. My early forties, I had a lot of really substantial health problems. Some of it related to hormones, some of it not, but inevitably after the age of about 36 to 37, your estrogen starts changing. And I think that a lot of people, it's a scary part of life for a lot of women, understandably. And I know for me, it was, oh, menopause happens. So there's this demarcation from you're either premenopausal or you're after menopausal, right? But the truth is after 37, every single year, your hormones are shifting. And it's how they shift through those years impacts how it affects your health, how you feel, how you look, all of those things. So it's a very real consideration. Estrogen is a very important hormone for us and for women who are premenopausal or fully menopausal or even post, estrogen is anti-inflammatory. And so when we are working with exercise and strength training, it's pro-inflammatory. That's part of how the body changes. So it's important to really just kind of recognize recognize that we're all going to go through these change changes of hormones. So it's about coming to read the signs in your own body and really know how to work with optimizing your hormones, which is why I'm such a huge fan of strength training. Mm-hmm. Strength training is the best way to keep your testosterone high, keep you out of estrogen dominance to keep your estrogen healthy and to really just keep you optimal on a hormonal level at every age. And I think that's why I just see it as like the end all be all in fitness. I really do. The older I've gotten, the less cardio I do. I mean, it's almost gotten to the place where like, if I want to change my bod, I do almost no cardio. It's 
all strength training and strategic nutrition. I don't want to overlook nutrition. Yeah. Nutrition is a big part of it. But I think a lot of women, you know, maybe like your mom, when they get into the late forties or fifties, many of them have really been relying on cardio their whole life mm-hmm. because I think we are still, as you said earlier, we are still getting into a culture where every woman strength trains. We're not there yet. Yeah. Some of us know it. Some of us are on the inside, but not everybody's there yet. I think we'll eventually mm-hmm. get there. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think even just looking at the trend of, you know, where we are now to where we're going, I think it's going to be so much more normalized for women to lift weights. And I think my mom and even my grandma, they come from, you know, generations where my grandma in particular, like exercise was, you know, doing those cute little kicking moves in the house with like pearls on, like that was considered exercise. Whereas now it's like, you know, strength training is, is so key. And, and as I agree with like everything you're saying, and the other thing I think about too, is like, if you're, if you want to, you know, reshape your body, this is something I, I tell people too, is like, if you want, you know, a, a whittled waist, so to speak, or if you want a bigger, butt, like you can sculpt your body in the gym, you're not going to sculpt your body like that running on a treadmill or, you know, riding a bicycle, like you got to lift the weights. And, um, I, I think it's so overlooked, but I do think now, you know, with my generation too, like more people are kind of waking up to the fact that like, okay, maybe I should really take lifting seriously. Yeah, I so agree. Um, Something I often say is strength training is one of, I think, the only unlimited tools for changing your body. So to use your example, which I think is brilliant, whether a woman wants a smaller waist or a fuller backside or broader shoulders, whatever your thing is, right? Some women want bigger quads or bigger hamstrings, doesn't matter. But strength training is the only thing that's really unlimited as a tool to get you there. For example, you will never get, you will never be able to grow, let's say your glutes in an unlimited way through running. They might get a little bit bigger, but you're gonna cap out. Same with yoga. You might get nice looking shoulders in yoga, but you're gonna cap out. Strength training is really the only unlimited tool where you can literally, just like you said, you know, chisel or create the body that you want, you can literally build the visual aesthetic that you want, but it can only be done through strength training. It can't be done through um, Pilates or Zumba or yoga, or even boot camp. I don't believe like most other activities don't really give you the proactive ability to get your shoulders looking exactly the way that you want them. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so powerful. I agree with everything you said. Like, um, it's, it's so incredible how we're able to kind of sculpt our bodies with lifting weights. And so interesting too, about, you know, reaching a cap out point of like with running, like you said, maybe your quads or with cycling, maybe your quads will develop a little bit, but they're going to reach a plateau. It's really limitless when it comes to weightlifting. I mean, look at what some people are able to do with their bodies. Like it's, it's really limitless. So it's like, if you want to put the work in, you know, I, I, I have some of my friends, it's like, if you want a BBL, like go to the gym and start doing some hip thrusts, like start training your glutes. Like you don't need to, um, get plastic surgery in order to achieve that, which I think is kind of a whole nother rabbit hole, just about how beauty standards have changed. I saw you post something the other day. Uh, that kind of made me chuckle. It was about, you know, big boobs, big butts. And it was like, maybe big tummies are going <laughs> to come into style. Totally. Yeah. I know. I, I love that meme. It makes me laugh. It's like, you know, for people who are listening or watching here, the meme is something along the lines of, you know, you know, there was a time that big butts were in and then big boobs were in and then big lips are in. When are we going to have big bellies? When are the big bellies going to be in? 
And someone actually commented on that post, which I thought was really brilliant. Um, she said, uh, she said, or dot, 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 big brains. And I was Ooh. like, oh, touche. I, I really loved that she added that because it's true. It's like, I mean, you know, listen, we're in the fitness industry. We're about mm -hmm. body transformation. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's so much more than that. And I, I so agree with you. If you really, you know, butts are popular right now. Big yeah. booties are really popular. I think every body, body part is popular. A lot of women want bigger quads um, or bigger shoulders, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like, you know, even with spinning, you're definitely going to see changes in your body from it. Yeah. You might even see some muscular development that you like, and that might be good enough for you. If it's not good enough for you and you want bigger thighs or a bigger booty or bigger shoulders, that's where strength training is the thing that allows you to do it really in an unlimited way because of progressive resistance. And that's, that's what it's about. Not that everybody wants a big, huge booty. I get yeah. that too. I have a lot of clients who, you know, it's funny where I feel like we're in a culture these days where about, I would say in my experience, maybe half of my community wants a big booty and half of my community wants a smaller booty. And I just wow. think it's so interesting <laughs> because literally Really, it's like they either want that big, juicy, muscular, yeah. big round backside, or they want more the Gwyneth Paltrow, you right. know, um, Taylor Swift, straight, skinny, supermodel type body. And it's yeah. really interesting. I like to make sure I speak to everybody because what I think is so important is both are right, both are respectable. Yes. This is your body. You get to build it however you want. And if you don't want a big booty, that's completely understandable. I have a lot of clients that they just want to be slender and skinny and they don't want to look muscular in any way. That's okay. Any of it is possible if you follow the right goal, the right strategy, and you just take action. Yeah, I love that. There's no one way or one correct aesthetic for how we're supposed to look. And I feel like social media has made it seem like there is only one, right? It's like, we see people like the Kardashians or we see other influencers and we think that that's the only standard of what's attractive now. And it's like, if that doesn't resonate for you, if that's not what you want to look like, then that's fine. Like there could be women out there that want to have huge biceps or something. Like if you want to do that, go for it. That doesn't make you any less than the girl that wants to be, you know, slim Victoria's secret or the girl that wants the juicy booty. Like there's no, there's really no wrong answer. So I think social yeah. media is awesome in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the other thing too, that, that I, um, kind of circling back to something you said earlier is just vetting the, the experts that you're looking into, because I feel like, especially now with Instagram and with TikTok and everything else that's coming into play, it's so easy to, to find someone online who has maybe the aesthetic you want, but they could be giving out terrible advice. They could be, you know, just somebody who just picked up a phone one day and started taking selfies, have no background, no understanding of nutrition, of exercise, of physiology of any of it. And some of that advice is harmful. Like I've seen some of these influencers giving people terrible advice. You know, it's, it, it blows my mind. And it's kind of sad to think that there's young girls out there that are, you know, looking up to these people. Oh my gosh. I so, 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 so agree. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and another angle to that too, I think that's just like so important is I, I, social media is aesthetic in nature. It's a visual medium. Yeah. And humans like to look at beautiful form. That's just 
a part of art, that's a part of beauty, right? That's a part of nature. And I think something I see happen quite a bit is you might find an influencer who has a certain visual aesthetic that you like, the way her body is shaped, whatever that looks like, um, the way her booty is shaped. And there's a tendency for people to want to, let's say, buy into those experts based on how they look. I've been in the fitness industry for 30 years. I've worked with a lot of fitness experts, a lot of very well-known people in the health and fitness industry, a lot of celebrities. And I can tell you this, a lot of times they hit the gene pool jackpot. There are a lot of those bodies that are in the fitness industry, specifically women who have these incredible bodies, a lot of them, it comes to them quite naturally. So it's not even their own mastery of science or mm -hmm. education or biomechanics or physiology. It's just, all they got to do is work out and eat a little bit, eat right. And their body looks awesome. Yeah. And there's a lot of that out there. I know a lot of huge influencers and I know them personally, and I'm not saying they don't work hard, but they had a head start because of their genes and how their body was built. And it, you've got to be very careful because you're then learning from someone who didn't really have to struggle, really struggle to get there because it came somewhat more naturally for them. And, and I think that is why we are seeing more influencers and experts and voices and personalities who are beginning to draw upon research and you know evidence-based information more because that separates my physiology from me as a coach. Yeah. Right. Because like my physiology might not have anything to do with you. And so if I'm mm -hmm. teaching you what worked for me, just like you said, that could either be harmful information mm -hmm. or it's just not going to work. And that's frustrating. Yeah. And I think it leads a lot of people to, to questioning like, well, why is it not working for me? And it kind of sends you down this rabbit hole of like, I must be doing something wrong. I must have to try harder, but like you said, I know so many people that just naturally have a really small waist or people that naturally have a bigger butt. And it just like, that's naturally how they were born. And even some fitness influencers that I've seen it, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't want to name names of anyone, but it's like, you can tell, you know, they're not, they're not certified in anything. They're just, they look cute in their outfits, like, which is awesome. You know, they have their meals that they make and it's great, but it's like, I think from, from a consumer perspective, it's, it's really smart to just have a sense of discernment to say, okay, if you are looking up to someone, maybe just look into them a little bit more and make sure that they like actually know what they're talking about. And that it's something that's going to also maybe work for you. And it's not just, oh, I drank this detox tea and it made my tummy flat in 14 days. Like, yeah. Yeah. I so agree. And you know, even to take it a step further, because I know you work with real humans in real life and you have that opportunity to actually quote unquote, get your hands on someone and work with them, right? A lot of these online um, personalities and fitness influencers have never really even worked with real clients. They've never really yeah. worked with real humans in person. A lot of them, it's, it's online programming. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm in that business, but it's important to look a little deeper, as you mm -hmm. said, to say, hey, I see she's done great things with her own body. She seems to be educated, but has she actually ever really worked with people in a one-on-one -on -one environment and or an in-person relationship? Because it really does start to get different when you're working with a lot of people one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. over time. 
um, as opposed to let's say just selling a one size fits all exercise program where you will have some people that are super successful. You absolutely will. What about those people that didn't find success? And, and you know, to really underscore what you said that if I could change one thing about the fitness industry, it would be this truth, as you said, that if you follow a program that isn't right for you and it doesn't work for you, we as women tend to automatically go to what's wrong with me? Everybody else is like losing 50 pounds on keto. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it working for me? If I could take that away, because it's, it's so damaging for women, because then we start to, we already start to think there's something wrong with us, yeah. right? Like that's part of the human experience. I know you also talk about like mindset and growth, mm -hmm. personal development concepts here. It's like by nature, a lot of us, I would say maybe even all of us already believe there's something wrong with us. We already don't think we're perfect. And then when you get that reinforcement from an exercise program that didn't work for you, like that's just so tragic when the truth is you just haven't found the program that's right for you yet and you just got to keep trying you know it's like you said there you tried things in your younger years that didn't work for you and now all these years later with your experience you are more educated and you do you use your body differently you eat differently than you used to it's the same for all of us like there's a history of you might just need to try all the things until you can find the thing that really works for you. Yeah. Oh, I love everything you said. I, I, I agree a thousand percent. It's like you have to kind of dip your toes into a lot of different things to gain that understanding. And for me, it was, I think, you know, it's kind of like twofold. It's like seeking guidance from the outside, right? Gaining knowledge and and seeking expertise and and expanding what you know about how the body works. But I think a big part of it too is just like an understanding of how your body feels, like an intuitive sense of where you're at. Because like for me, it, that's how I discovered, you know, like food sensitivities. That's how I discovered what exercises were and weren't working for me. And um, just just taking the time to listen to my body in like so many different ways, like when I'm bloated, you know, things like that, how I feel during different cycles of my period, which is like a whole nother um, rabbit hole. But it's like, that's equally important too. And I feel like, especially for women, like we're, we're intuitive beings to begin with. So I feel like, um, you know, just taking advantage of that ability to understand yourself and how your body feels will, will take you to the next level. Yeah, I agree. What I see a lot is women not listening to that and continuing to follow the program because it's supposed to be the program. When they've been getting the cues and the, let's call it, you know, subtle hints that their intuition right. is telling them, this program is not working for me and they don't listen. And I agree with you. It's like, if you just listen, does this thing make you feel better or does it make you feel not so good? Does this thing feel good? Does it feel like it's moving you in the right direction for your body? I agree. Cause we all are so different. And mm. if you, if you, you know, it's, it's a, tr I know it's a, a tricky line to walk for people because on the one hand, they're like, yeah, but I don't know what strategy I should be following. So there is this conversation of getting educated, but yeah. you got to bring the education. And just like we said, try it out, try out a ketogenic lifestyle, it might be the best thing ever for you. And in my experience, it's not for the majority of people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Now, how will you know until you really give it a go and get some exactly. feedback? 
Yeah. It's so important to, to try all the things, as you said, I think that's a great piece of advice that, um, I really haven't heard anyone else, you know, say on this podcast, at least, especially when it comes to, to fitness and nutrition. And I think that that's just such a sound way to encourage people to also not be discouraged too, because it's like, at least for the women that I've seen and, and even people that I worked with, it's like, well, if they did something or they followed a specific program and it didn't work for them, that set them back so much and made them lose so much confidence that they just said, you know what, I'm not even going to try anymore because that didn't work. So I'm just going to give up. And I know a lot of people who have been in that position yeah. and it's like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be carrying that guilt because there's nothing wrong with you. It just means you need to do some more exploring and searching. Yeah. A different strategy potentially. Yeah, for sure. So I'm kind of interested because I, I touched on it earlier, but I'm curious to hear your perspective for me. And I don't know if, if you've noticed this as well, but, you know, gaining more into an intuitive sense of your body is just like during different parts of my cycle, I, I feel motivated. I feel unmotivated. I'm bloated. Is there, is there any way that you've found that you've kind of worked with your menstrual cycle or, or is there any way that you've kind of encouraged your clients to work with that rhythm to see better results? Oh my goodness. That's a big one. Cause I also think that we all have such different nuances to what that phase of time is like that part of the monthly cycle, depending on what your hormone profile looks like. But we do know from research that as you get closer to starting your period, there are biological changes. Your energy does go down. You do get hungrier. There's a change in a lot of different biochemistry that does mean it might be harder to work out. So the what I've always, I would say the philosophy that I've always um, found helpful for myself and for the women in my community is, again, listen to your body. So I have a rule that I teach, which is on any given day for a workout, your job is to push yourself only about 20% more than where you are today. So if today is a high energy day, push yourself 20% more. If today is a low energy day, push yourself 20% more of that low energy. So if it's a day where like you don't feel as well or you have low energy and you don't want to work out, you're probably going to feel better if you do work out, mm -hmm. but it might not be your biggest, hardest, most high energy workout. And that's okay. Um, because we do, you know, we absolutely each do have very unique symptoms and struggles around that time of the month. And you don't want to do nothing. And most of us know it doesn't feel good to sit on the couch and just eat ice cream and pizza for five days straight. So if you can avoid that, yeah. anything is better than nothing. And just listen to your body and work with it. I've also, I also really believe, you know, around the day, few, first few days, uh, first day, couple of days before you start your period, if you're hungrier, let yourself eat a little bit more. If you're craving carbohydrates, choose healthy carbohydrates, let yourself eat a little bit more, you know, allow yourself a little bit of that latitude. Because if your body is talking to you, yeah. there's probably a reason for it. I love that. There's so much I want to unpack. I love your 20% philosophy. I think that's amazing. And that's another uh, piece of advice that I, I haven't heard before. So I'm learning so much um, from your perspective here, which is so cool. Um, I love that. And I also, you know, something else that I agree with is just allow yourself to have something like something that I tell my clients is if, if it's Thanksgiving, you're not going to sit at the table with your family and say, Oh, I'm only going to have a salad. Like I'm good. I'm not going to eat anything. It's like, if it's, if it's a special occasion and if you're wanting it, and if you're craving that piece of pumpkin pie or the mashed potatoes, like have a little bit, enjoy yourself. Because if you don't, 
then you're just going to wind up pushing that craving further. And then over the weekend, you're going to wind up binging on God knows what, and you're going to undo all of your progress. So I think for women, especially, it's so important to find that balance between yes, following a strategy, following a plan, but also listening to your body and understanding that you're human. We're going to have cravings, especially with our hormones, you know, raging before our periods. It's, it's so important to give yourself that grace to just allow it to be there. Right. And to not feel guilty, to not beat yourself up for it or think, you know, again, that there's something wrong with you for it. Cause we're all human. We've all experienced that. hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think that is the thing that unites us, right. That we yeah. have this universal experience. And, um, it really is true that one day of being off, whether it's your nutrition or your workouts, isn't going to ruin a whole month of efforts. And a lot of people, and I did this for years, I would believe that if I wasn't you know, quote unquote, perfect with my diet every single day, I wasn't going to change or reach my goal. And that's actually not true. When you find, you know, there's a common through line here for me, which is a strategy and programming that's right for your goal. When you find the right program and strategy for your goal, there's actually a lot of range to listen to your body. And like you said, just kind of be gentle with yourself. And if you're really craving the donut and you can't get it out of your head, have it. It's not going to, it's really not going to ruin all of the effort. Now, if you do the donut twice a day, every single day, that's a different conversation, but one weekend of bad eating or one day of bad eating or two missed workouts really isn't going to set you back as far as you might think. Yeah. And I think it's so important extending off of that to find a strategy that's sustainable long-term, right? Cause you could follow a, a very strict regimen of something to do for, for 12 weeks or whatever it might be. And there's no room for any wiggle room. It's like, yeah, you might see results, but are you really going to be happy if you're pushing all those cravings aside? And once the 12 weeks is done, you're like, okay, I'm going crazy now. I'm just going to get whatever I want. It's like, find a strategy and find someone to work with. Who's going to be able to understand your tendencies and give you the space to say, okay, it's all right. If you want to have this, you know, once a week, it's okay. If you want to, you know, I, I hate the notion of cheat days. I think that it's, it's, um, you know, I really do not believe in it at all. And I don't tell my clients to, you know, have a cheat day. It's like, have it as it comes up. Like you said, have the donut. If you want it, if you're at work and it's someone's birthday and they're celebrating, have a piece of cake, like have it as it comes up rather than thinking you need to save it up for the weekend. Because I think it also puts us in this mindset of restriction. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you know, you could just kind of have that flow with it. You're not in the restrictive mindset and you're not feeling like you need to kind of just like save up to, to earn this cheat day. Cause you want to find something that you can sustain long-term and that's going to fit your lifestyle because we're human and we have things, we have lives, we have celebrations, we have cravings. Like I, I, I really don't like the, the notion of a cheat day and it kind of sounds like you don't either. So Mm-mm, I totally yeah. agree with you. I don't in theory, I love the idea, but we have to remember the idea came from men. It came from bro training yeah. and it can work for them. This, this concept can work for them. I have never seen it work for women, but what I will say is I, the, the seed of it that I think you and I both agree with is the seed of a cheat day is allowing yourself to eat the foods that you really want that feel more indulgent is the seed of it, right? Mm -hmm. So just like you said, it's like, if that craving comes up or if there's a food that you love, like for me, I love donuts. 
love donuts. I can walk by pizza. I can walk by ice cream. I can walk by chocolate, but like, I love donuts. Mm -hmm. And so if that's operating in the back of my head, eventually you're going to cave to that anyway. And so I think really what it's about is each week or each phase, allowing some of those fun, indulgent things that you enjoy because that's going to do so much more for your discipline, your commitment, your consistency, because you can't, if you have a thing, whatever it is, your food, you, you're just, you're not going to avoid it for the rest of your life. And to think you're just going to give it up for three months, take the weights off, take the body weight off or change your body, however you want, and then go back to eating it. It doesn't often work that way. And so it really is about finding, as you said, sustainability, because you can have the indulgences without having to do a full cheat meal or cheat day, because, oh, by the way, when we look at the mathematics of it, it's real easy to eat up all those extra calories in one meal or one day that you saved all week long. If you're only saving, let's say two or three or 4,000 calories during the week, you can eat that up in one meal at, you know, the Cheesecake Factory and that. So it's like, you know, again, it it can work for the male physiology. Absolutely, it can work. I've never really seen it work well successfully for women when we're talking about body composition. Um, Emotionally, psychologically, behaviorally, I think there's a place for it. Because if it helps you to be strict throughout the week, maybe. But from a body composition place, 30 years in the business, I've never seen it work for women. Wow. I think it's kind of, it's counterintuitive too, because I, I know people that I've worked with and, and even just some of my friends, it's like, you'd think in your head, well, no, I should be, you know, following super strict throughout the week. And then the cheat day makes sense. Like it just makes sense. Like that's how the plan's going to go. But if you take a step back, you're actually going to have more adherence to your plan. If you have that wiggle room for flexibility. And that's something that I stretch so much is like, I would so much rather someone have, you know, that donut have their thing, whatever it is. Like for me, I love waffle fries and French fries. Like everyone, you know, has their thing. It's like, have it. If the cravings there understand too, that like, you can't ignore your body. You can't run away from your body or how you're feeling. So eventually wouldn't you rather just have it in the moment than save it up for the weekend. And like you said, blow it all at cheesecake factory in one sitting and then be like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have proven through behavioral research studies that discipline is exhaustible. I'm sure you've heard this. So this concept of, you know, I want a donut. You can't have it. I want a donut. You can't have it. That's exhaustible. Mm -hmm. It actually, you will get to the point where that willpower gets exhausted. And that's when you eat six donuts instead of just having one on the first day. And you felt so satisfied by it. And you enjoyed it and you had it guiltlessly. Mm -hmm. And that is just so much more productive because just like you said, you are going to cave to those things if you're having those cravings. And, you know, to spin this a little bit and come at it from a different angle that I think is really valuable. When I was in my 20s, so, you know, as I said, I got my degree in exercise physiology and nutrition from the Pennsylvania State University, one of the best at the time. It was in the top three universities in the world. I went to an incredible Mm -hmm. university. So even though after that in my 20s, I was a biological mess, I now know why, but back then it was like, I was beholden to my cravings. I could not 
I could not withstand my cravings. And this plagued me for about 10 years because I thought it was a discipline issue. I thought, I just don't have any discipline to avoid the donuts or the waffle fries, which I agree um, with you. I love waffle fries. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, if you, listener, are finding yourself having cravings on a regular basis, it's an indication that your diet's not working for you. Because the truth is, when my diet's on track, I don't crave anything ever. I don't even yeah. want the donut. So if you are battling cravings or hunger on a regular basis, I would so encourage you to look at some new ways to approach your diet and or your workouts, because there's something in your physiology that's not supporting you. You shouldn't have to muscle through cravings every single day. We really shouldn't. A well-fed body doesn't have cravings. An apple is plenty sweet for a well-fed body. That is so powerful. And I so agree with that. And it comes back to that, you know, innate understanding and that sense of intuition of just gaining mindfulness of how you feel. It's like, clearly something's not resonating. Yeah. You might be seeing the number drop on the scale. Yeah. You might be seeing your jeans fitting looser, but if you're feeling that constantly, it's like, I I tell my clients this too. It's like, don't you want to feel good all the time? I mean, that's the goal, right? We want to feel our best, like energetically, emotionally, physically, everything. And so it's like, if you're sitting there, like you said, ripping your hair out, just craving a cheeseburger going crazy. It's like, okay, let's take a step back and let's reevaluate because clearly something's got to give. And it's like, when you have that understanding and that even that moment of self-awareness, I feel like is so powerful to even be aware enough to know that, okay, I'm having this craving. What do I need to do? That's a place that a lot of people even, even struggle to get to. So I think that's really powerful too. I so agree. You're talking about a mindfulness here. And like I said, easily for 10 years for me, maybe longer. I didn't have that mindfulness that you're talking about. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought I had some disordered eating and Mm -hmm. I thought it was a function of discipline and willpower. And it took me a long time to wake up to that. So I love that you're offering that because that, that self-awareness, if I had just had it back then, it would have been like, hold on, maybe I'm not broken. Maybe the system is broken. And maybe the way that I'm eating isn't working for me instead of me being at fault. Maybe my diet is at fault. And that's why I keep stumbling. I mean, I just, oh, the stories I could tell. I just, you know, was so beholden to my cravings. And, you know, I I think a great way to really discern it is if you could imagine a holiday or a special event where you have a big meal, you know, here in the United States, it's Thanksgiving, whatever it is. If you could imagine a time when you have a big meal at the end of that big meal, are you craving a cheeseburger? No, you're not. You're not craving anything. You might be in the mood for a piece of chocolate, but Mm. that's different than craving the waffle fries or the donut. And so it really, if it's coming up for you too often, that's such a, a great flag to check in, like you said, with your awareness and be like, Hey, what's going on here? Could it be something else? Yeah. And I love what you said too, just about flipping the perspective of 
there's nothing wrong with me. Like rather than saying I'm broken, eliminating that guilt and stepping away from it, I think is probably the most empowering thing you can do too, because I know people in my life where that guilt has kept them frozen. It's kept them from not wanting to try. It's kept them from hiding away. And even it's, it's just led them, you know, even down like a worse path of just, you know, really feeling lost. So it's like, what can we do to empower ourselves and and to find a way to say, okay, it's not me. I just need to kind of navigate things a little bit smarter Mm -hmm. and maybe reach out to people who can guide me properly and do my own research and understand my body. And, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. I, I think that's such a good takeaway for anyone listening to this episode is like, if you're listening to this now and you've been stuck in that trap of nothing's been working for you yet, maybe you've tried all of these, you know, popular diets that are out there. Maybe that's just not meant for you. And maybe you don't even need to put a label on it. Like what my, what my diet is, is not keto. It's not anything. It's what works for Haley. And it's what I have found over the years allows me to feel my best, you know, energetically. And even like you said earlier, I have way less cravings now, you know, when I'm, when I'm eating healthy and consistently, I'm like, wow. I mean, I used to crave stuff all the time. Like when I was doing these super restrictive crash diets, I would just crave bread and butter because I think I was just like so depleted. And now I'm like, yeah, you know, when I'm eating well, I I'm like, yeah, the, I, that person's eating ice cream. I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't need that right now. Like I, yeah. I feel good. Yeah. It's really true at the risk of sounding, um, maybe a bit, I don't know, egotistical. I've been in this business for 30 years. I'm a bona fide credentialed expert in my field. And I promise there's nothing wrong with you. It's that the system and the program you're following isn't working for you. I promise the research shows it. I just have so much experience here. And like I said, I don't say it in any way to sound like egotistical. It's just after doing something for 30 years, you're probably going to be kind of a dummy if you don't pick up a few things, you know, a few things that work. And I know without a doubt, every single client that I've worked with, we've been able to correct these things because they weren't the problem the programming was the problem. It always is. And so you're right. It's like, once you get on that right program, you're going to look back and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten a jar of peanut butter in months where that used to be a weekly occurrence. <laughs> you right. know? It really changes when you get your physiology stable. Yeah. Well, first of all, you don't sound egotistical at all. I mean, I think you're offering such reassuring and encouraging advice to to anyone that's listening, especially given your background. I think that's amazing. And again, I, I agree with everything you say, you know, it's like, it's all about finding what works for you and finding what resonates with your body and, and your makeup and, and what's going to bring you, you know, to the most optimal state of alignment. So Um, I kind of, you know, I give people a chance here as we wrap up to just offer any last minute advice to anyone that's listening to anyone that's maybe feeling, you know, this discouragement right now, someone who's maybe tried it all and they're kind of feeling lost. If you have anything you'd offer. up. Oh my goodness. So I think the first thing is just to really kind of summarize everything that we've talked about. If you feel you're not moving in the direction you want to go in, it's not your fault change your strategy and then change it again and change it again and change it again. If you need to, you will find the way, the strategy that works for you. I promise you, you and I both know women who have drastically changed their life, their health and their body. So if they can do it, I promise 
I promise you, I have so much proof of this that you can do it too. Yeah, I love that. And something I'll kind of just offer up on top of that, that people have told me and has really motivated me is like, it's not that there's anything special about that person, right? It's that they found a system, they found a strategy that works for them and they were consistent with it and they stuck to it. So understand that for yourself. That's something that's encouraged me with any area of my life, even too, with my career. It's like whoever has the results that you're seeking, understand that they found something that worked for them and and they were consistent with it and use them as an example that it's possible rather than as a way to kind of like put yourself down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Because we all know someone who's been successful on this diet. We all know people who've been successful on that diet. We all know people who've been successful on this workout program. There's success all over. And it really is a function of finding the one that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to give you a chance here to uh, tell the listeners where they can find you, where people can stay connected if they want to work with you. Um, So yeah, go ahead and take it away. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love new friends. So obviously Instagram is a great hub for me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Perkins, all one word. Um, I've got a couple of really incredible free resources for people. If you are needing help with your strength training, I have a really incredible six week strength and cardio download that you can get at hollyperkins.com forward slash offer. And if you feel like you need a little bit more guidance on the nutrition side, I have another incredible, like incredible download resource, which is really my whole approach to nutrition to help you find that place of stability where you can have the indulgences and you don't feel beholden to the cravings. And that's at hollyperkins.com forward slash macros, M-A-C-R-O-S. Cool. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. You have such beautiful energy, by the way. I just want to tell you, like, um, this was this was incredible. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your insight with everyone. I, I think people are really going to love this. Thank you so much. So fun. I knew that you and I were just like totally aligned and it would be yeah. an awesome conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So well, guys, check out everything um, related to Holly. I'm going to leave all of her links in the description so you guys can check it out. Check out her offerings as well. And um, Holly, thank you again. 